0: Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Joel Savage. This is episode 77 of the Australian Hiker podcast and the second in our series of recorded episodes from my Bibbleman track adventure in 2018. In last week's episode, we provided an overview of how I'd gone so far uh, starting the journey uh, and carrying all the way through to Walpole. In this week's episode, I'll start off provi- by providing an overview of the infrastructure of the campsites and facilities and the southern 40 percent of the track uh, and then progress on to my journey from Walpole to Pemberton. We hope you enjoy. Apart from the environment itself, uh, what one of the most important things that hikers want to know about is what is the infrastructure like on the trail. Uh, and in this case we're going to be talking about the camp shelters and the toilets. Now, so far I've completed 40% of the track from Albany to Pemberton. Uh, and I, while I've still got a way to go before I get to Kalamunda in Perth, I thought it would be a good opportunity to talk to you about the infrastructure that I've come across so far. And really there are probably three main types of huts uh, and two main types of toilets that I've come across so far on the trail. And I must admit, I do have my preferences, uh, but they're all functional and they all work. So I'm gonna go through and provide a description of the trail campsites as I've come across them, uh, just to give you an indication. As far as the huts go, uh, and again, I keep on saying huts and it's more out of habit, they are shelters. Uh, They're pretty much uh, a a three-sided square. So there's two sides that are solid, uh, and then on each of the other uh, two sides. There's a short wing that comes out, providing a uh, an open um, corner. There's a uh, uh, an L-shaped raised platform at the back for sleeping on. Uh, and w- if, if, with everyone I've visited so far, there's been a um, uh, a picnic table under shelter, as well as at least one picnic table outside, for if you want to go through and take advantage of the weather or it's busy. Um, The huts themselves are timber construction, Uh, they're a a shiplap uh, timber construction so they're reasonably waterproof although I did as I mentioned in last week's episode we had the rain so heavy it was actually coming through the timber. Um, They're a metal guttering uh, and a metal roof and in most cases they've got two pieces of clear fiberglass or some sort of polycarbonate to allow light into the um, into the actual um, shelter itself. Although on some of the shelters they've only had one so it's sort of a bit confusing. Some of the shelters they had down on the coastline just recently also had a little glass lean-to which would actually minimise the weather conditions coming in and allow you to get all the packs and the bulky stuff out of the way in case the area is busy. The floors of the shelter, uh, in most cases, have bark, so you're not traipsing dirt dirt up onto the actual platform itself. This one hasn't, and in some respects, it's probably not likely to, because ground level is pretty much inside the shelter is pretty much the same as outside. So, if you were to get quite a heavy rain, it wouldn't be. um, It'd have to be heavy rain, but you'd find that it would actually end up in this area. So, um, yeah, as I said, it just doesn't have the right feel for me. This one. At the back of the shelters is a large water tank. Usually it's around about a a thousand litres in capacity. So, while ever it's raining, the water is not not an issue. But in summertime when there's no rain, you would be uh, taking a risk relying on the water being there. Um, Some of the shelters tend to have good views. Um, Others tend to be like this one, are immersed in the middle of the forest. Um, Now, there's also a uh, composting toilet that varies but in this case uh, at uh, Mount Clare it's probably around about uh, i say 40 meters away from the shelter itself um, so it means you're not getting any odours or anything else coming into the shelter area itself surrounding the uh, uh, the um, shelters themselves is also some flat uh, campsite areas for people who want to use tents in this case here the shelters are actually ex- oh, sorry the, um, the campsite areas are quite good they are flat Although on, on some of the huts I've seen they've had quite a bit of slope on them, so you'd have to be really picky about how you set your tent up, otherwise you'd be sleeping sideways or running sliding down the tent as you went. Um, so I think really with these these shelters, probably I think if you add a squeeze, one, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, you could comfortably get fourteen and that would be a squeeze in here. Um, so if the weather was really bad, but again, if the weather was ba- that bad, um you'd find you'd likely the person on the edge uh who has the almost the windows, so one of these little half walls is only half comes halfway up, um, they would likely to get wet. Um, so I think realistically the amount of space that I tend to take up or have done over the last uh last week or so, I'd probably take up what you'd class as two people's space if you're if you're cutting things fine. So on the basis of the amount of space I take up, you'd probably be looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe eight would be a comfortable fit inside here. Now group sh- groups aren't supposed to use these shelters until after six a.m. So Having said that though, talking to Ellie, uh, she and a couple of others were in a shelter and a group of 24 scouts turned up because it was raining and decided to come into the shelter. 27 people are not going to fit into the shelter. Apparently they didn't stay long. Um, uh, but yeah, they, uh, they're they not designed to sort of book out. Um, and there is actually a booking system uh, which you need to book in advance so people are aware. So I know looking at some of the shelters... Uh, over the next few weeks i can see when groups are in there i know either when to avoid them or i know when i may need to be using the tent so that's actually a good way to work the system but yeah that gives you a bit of an idea about what these shelters are like Uh, one last thing i suppose the well i'll talk about the roof on these shelters they're a pitched roof uh, so they're they're designed to collect the water Uh, and inside the roof there's a series of um, tensioning metal bars Uh, they're only probably around about um, eight mil, 10 mil maybe, uh, aluminium or steel bars, uh, and they've got hooks on them. These shelters typically come with two boxes. Uh, there's a, a large plastic tub for putting food in, uh, and that's probably a good indication there's mice or rodents that are gonna have a go at your food. And there's also a box with a, a sign-in logbook to say this is where you're heading, uh, and there's also a book to write comments in. Occasionally, people leave other stuff like um, uh, information stuff, books, batteries, gas cylinders as well. Um, but in most of these shelters, you definitely do want to hang your food. Otherwise, um, as uh, Ellie showed me, uh, some rodent had chewed this nice circular hole in through her dry bag where her food was, and then proceeded to work its way through a packet of wraps, putting a hole in all of them. So there was this nice circular hole in the packet of the wraps. So and that was actually hung up as well. So you do need to be careful where you hang from. Um, you're better off hanging from the middle bars rather than towards the nails or the hooks on the end wall because the rodents can generally get into the bags from there. Okay, that's me. Time to move on. It's uh, Monday morning, twentieth of August. Um, I'm here at a campsite called Dogpool. Dogpool is different for a couple of reasons. Um, at some part, some stage in the recent past, it looks like it's actually burnt down and has been replaced by the new type of construction, which they classed as rammed earth, uh, which is basically, the uh, walls aren't timber. They're built of a, um, a clay material. Um, uh, and that way, if the fire does come through again, uh, they're less likely to be destroyed. This is a pretty amazing sort of hut. It's, it's actually physically slightly bigger. It is taller on the inside. Uh, I know that when trying to reach the, uh, the ceiling joist to hang my food bag. Uh, the, um, the little light wells, there's one in each corner which makes it quite nice. Um, it's just a really pleasant little place. The, it's two sided uh, and the third and fourth sides have got an open long window on each end so potentially if the weather conditions were really bad you might get wet if you're on the edges but i think given the uh, that we're in the middle of the forest that's unlikely to happen um this is also different in uh, in that for this is the first hut you're actually able to have fires so there's a little fire pit uh, and they've asked that the fire pit be used for cooking and not for anything else and that you also bring your own timber but having said that just out the back uh, there's a little uh, little firebox with a stock of firewood, and there's heaps of loose firewood, or heaps of loose wood around. It, although they have asked that you don't use it, but given that they've provided it here for you, it looks okay. Getting to uh, this site, they've built a uh, what looks to be a new bridge over the uh, uh, the small river that runs through here. Um, I must admit, I was coming in here last night and thought, oh, how am I going to go across this and come around the corner and there's this lovely steel bridge. Um, This hut also has two water tanks. Um, Given that the roof structure is slightly bigger, um, it's uh, got two tanks and can certainly support that much water given the rainfall that we're getting at the moment. Behind the hut, they've actually got a, um, a solar panel on a piece of infrastructure and that's to measure, it's called a gauging station, to measure stream flow um, in the local area. and I, I'm guessing that's to allow them to, to tell them what's happening with the river systems and whether things are flooding or not. The other thing I haven't talked about um, in, in any detail and, and it's probably one of the more important things is the toilets. Up until now the toilets have been a fairly simple sort of structure Uh, probably what in Australia we class as the outhouse just a square or slightly rectangular timber box with a door and a roof Uh, and inside is a pedestal into a composting toilet Uh, and when I say composting toilet it's just you do your business uh, into the toilet and um, things just rot down but at some point they're gonna to need to be emptied. So they'd need to bring vehicles in and just to siphon it out, maybe once a year is probably about fine. The toilet here at Dogpool is a different situation. Same um, mechanics of how the toilet works, but it's a much bigger building. It's probably about four times the size of what the other sites have. Uh, the roof structure, it's got a little porch Uh, It's actually got railings to help you sit yourself down um, which you'd probably class as um, disabled railings. Um, Potentially you could get someone here if you drove them to this site you could actually get them here although you've got a set of stairs to get up to get to the toilet. Um, But it's just nice to have something to hang on to if you're a bit unsteady on your feet. The thing I particularly like about this toilet is that it's actually weatherproof. The other toilets that I've come across when it's been blowing a gale and wet the inside of the toilet gets saturated Um, now not that you're going to be it's not like sitting there getting poured on with rain but you're just getting wet Uh, this one the roof structure is big enough Uh, it also has clear uh, light wells in the roof as well just to allow you to to see without having to have a torch on Uh, and it's just a, a really nice comfortable place to go to the loo, I suppose, Uh, but one of those important things. It does have toilet paper. Um, Most of the toilets uh, so far on this track have not had toilet paper, and apparently the ones that have have just been been because some hiker has left some behind. I believe that um, from the toilets, uh, as I start heading north, the provision of toilet paper is more common, but I would strongly recommend to people don't rely on that. Uh, Just because there's toilet paper here, today it could be all used up tomorrow, you just don't know. Uh, So you're better off coming prepared and bringing your own just in case. Now I've just come to Schaefer Hut uh, and it's a a slightly different hut. Uh, It has a feel of being a bit older and certainly looking at the, uh, the plaque about when it was built. It was built in 1997. Uh, and at this stage, I'm guessing that um, the track only finished at Walpole around about then and wasn't extended through to Albany later on. So the hut is three-sided, but it's very much um, everything's up the back. Uh, so rather than being an L-shaped raised platform, it's just a, a solid raised platform at the back of the hut uh, and the uh, two small wing walls and the front of the hut's open. The uh, hut itself uh, has bunk beds. so. Uh, At a squeeze, you could probably fit three on top of each of the bunks, but that's probably going to be a bit tight. Um, And then uh, in total, probably around about eight, uh, maybe nine across the bottom. So at best, you could probably fit around about 15 people, but I think that's going to be a very tight, close group, so probably a bit less than that. Um, There's a table in the hut, uh, like all the huts, and there's also a table outside the hut. On the roof, uh, there's uh, clear plastic um, in the in the metal roof that allows um, light to come into the hut, so it's quite good. And there's a water tank at the side of the hut. And as has been the case for the last few huts, you can have a fire at this hut, providing it's not a total fire ban. And given this time of the year, that's not an issue. Um, one of the nice things about this hut is it looks out onto a private uh, lake, um, and I think by the look of it, uh, as as I went on a bit further from here, uh, Watermark Kiln, uh, which is a resort area, looks like they own the lake because shortly after leaving the Schaefer Hut, you come to around about 200, 300 metres away and there's a sign saying Watermark Kiln's resort, up this, up this way about 300 metres. The thing about this um, little lake or very large pond is that it has got a fenced off area for swimming. They do put lots of warning signs saying, "Look, it's really cold. The depths variable. They don't know what the conditions of the bottom are like, so don't jump in. You know, take it nice and easy." Uh, but I think, you know, certainly as the weather got a bit warmer, it would be quite nice to actually go swimming when it when it was certainly a bit warmer than it is now. Um, Coming through this hut, it was actually raining, so again, I don't think I saw it at its best, but I think on a really nice sunny day, this would be a really nice hut to spend some time at. And I know looking through the books that some people have said they're they're taking a bit of a rest and they'll take an extra day here just to have a bit of a relax. Toilet, similar sort of situation to the earlier toilets, not the um, the rammed earth ones, just a small timber construction. Um, As per the timber toilets, if it's pouring with rain, uh, and blowing a gale, the water's going to be coming into the toilet area. And you're not going to get drenched, but you are going to get wet. And I think this is where the rammed earth construction toilets are so much better. Um, so, very nice little area, doing, uh, well worth uh, uh, stopping at. or a particularly Schaefer Hut, and it'll be interesting to see what the huts uh, are like further on. And now here's an overview of my trip from Walpole to Pemberton. It's uh, 7.20 in the morning on Saturday. I've just checked out of my hotel and I'm just walking down the main street of Walpole. Um, Not a particularly busy town at the moment, it's not tourist season, it's still uh, about three or four weeks away. Uh, so it 's pretty quiet and, and given that it is not not very late in the morning ever and still a, still asleep, I think there 's only about one or two cars in the main street and that 's about it um, It looks like it 's a nice sunny day and the forecast for at least today and tomorrow it looks like it 's going to be pretty good i 'm um, planning I was only planning on doing about twenty three kilometers today but i 'll see how i go i 've had a reasonably early start um, and given that uh Um, I had planned on staying or camping in between huts I wasn't quite aware that it was going to be as wet as it was so I may try and double hut today and if that's the case I'll end up doing around about 40 kilometres but as I said I'll see how I go I'm feeling quite good, feeling quite relaxed after a day's rest as much as I struggled with actually being there and physically not walking um, I think it was definitely worthwhile having the time off um, talking to Andrew, uh, who I stayed with at um, the previous hut, he said he he was off the uh, the track for 10 days with overuse injury, uh, but hadn't done much uh, much training beforehand. So I think I'm probably right, but I'd rather not risk it, and I'd rather have the rest days just to give me a bit of flexibility and uh, and to prevent any any injuries from occurring. Okay, I'll talk to you later on the day. Good morning. It's day 11. I'm here at Woolbale's campsite. Um, I actually got a bit further yesterday than I'd planned. I'd I'd planned on stopping (laughs) halfway between roughly the last campsite and this site just so I could keep on an average of around about 30 kilometres a day. Um, But I was having a good day. The weather was really good, as it is today. So I just decided to push on through. Didn't get into campsite till probably around about 20 past 7, which meant that I had about an hour and ten minutes walking with headlight. Um and um uh, as a result it sort of uh, um went by the time I had dinner and went to bed it was a, a lateish night for me, probably around about nine o'clock before before um um having a good sleep. Uh and I've got a lateish start this morning. I mean currently it's ten past eight. By the time I leave here it'll be roughly about another ten minutes or so, so this is the latest start that I've had for a while. I um, The campsite's pretty good. Um, i had been told by Andrew who I met a few uh, campsites ago that the, the access into here was actually quite reasonable, but from here on in there's a bit of water on the trail and having to walk through puddles, so I'll see how it goes there. Yesterday, actually, my feet were doing really well. Um, The soft spots at the front of my feet had hardened up and and now seem to be looking after themselves. But now, for for the first time in years, I had a a blister on the outside of my right heel. Um, I do tend to walk funny, I know that um and it just amazed me that I ended up with a a blister as I said it's been so long since I've had a blister in this area and the last time I did because I had poorly fitting shoes so um, given that I'd worked walked 39 kilometers yesterday um, um, I'm I'm not too not doing too badly Um, I'm gonna press on today the plan is to actually stay in the tent tonight uh, and do one and a half huts, so around about thirty kilometers, or there they 're a bit more than that. What I find is if I start doing any more than thirty kilometers, um, thirty kilometers will put me ten kilometers from the next campsite, and if I start getting within five, six, seven kilometers, it's, i do think i 'd normally decide well, I might as well just keep on going and again um, be walking at night time. The moon was about half full last night, uh, and it's actually due to be full in around about uh, three or four days. So um, I had actually planned on hiking at night time, uh, either in the morning or the evenings, um, but I've started a bit earlier than that. I'll see how it goes as far as how wet the trails are. It's certainly flatter terrain, I'm um, moving reasonably fast through it, but um, uh, again, it depends on the puddles I've got to go through and what what I've got to deal with there. Had someone else uh, staying at the campsite last night. I thought, oh, I'm going to disturb them. Um, but uh, they only got in about half an hour before I did. Uh, and I'd been following their footprints pretty much all day yesterday. So I knew that there was someone likely to be here. May or may not see them again today. I think they're planning on double hutting it. Uh, and Unless I do that, uh, he'll get ahead of me. So we'll see how things go. All right, talk to you later. Okay, I'm here at Dog Pool Campsite. um, And I've had a fairly long day today, just a bit over 38 k's today. So again, I double hutted it. I was actually going to be staying at Mount Chance last night. um, But given that I'd actually gotten further the night before, I decided to keep on going to make it for another long, long day. Um, I got it to Mount Chance around about 1.30 in the afternoon, got a quarter to two. Uh, I knew I had about another 19 kilometres to go, so I sort of pushed on. Got in here about 6.30 last night, so really the last sort of uh, probably about 20 minutes I had the headlight on. Uh, I did also get away late yesterday, uh, I got away at around about 8.30, and I plan on being a lot quicker today, I'll be out gone out of here by 8 o'clock at the latest, if not earlier than that. I've just got to tape my feet. Yesterday was the start of the uh, the wet area that I'd been expecting through the um, up Plains I believe it's called, um, never quite know whether the is silent in Aboriginal language, and um, and um it's uh it was not as bad as I thought, given that I was talking to Ellie a few weeks ago. She hit at the peak when the storms had just come through, and as a result she had a a lot of waiting and I could uh within about ten minutes of leaving the camp, I got the first of the periods where I was having to walk through a uh, knee almost just below knee depth um, puddle of water no way you could avoid it uh, and just walk through uh, and then you're out onto dry again then another 50 or 100 meters then back through the water again so I spent pretty much yesterday with wet feet uh, which actually surprised me the the uh, the stepping in and out of the water the feet were actually happier than I thought they would have been Um, I could see where there are a number of the puddles had dried up over the last week the ten days Um, and I could see what it would be like if you hit there at the peak of the rain period it would be quite wet Uh, but overall it wasn't too bad one of the things that surprised me um, was I came off the track onto a road and I thought that's not unusual Uh, typically you would come onto a road you walk for 50 metres maybe 100 metres and then you go off on the track again in this case here I probably would have had about i'm guessing probably about 10 kilometers on the road and all i had was this impression in my mind as i've gone the wrong way i can't possibly be walking along the road for this long Uh, but i kept on checking my directions and it was all fine Uh, and i think had i known that uh, i was going to be walking on the road right the way to the campsite i would have been fine but i was just second guessing myself all the time thinking i must have missed the turn off there were the little woggle signs on the trees but they were only every couple of kilometres or where there was a turn and it just made um, made for a bit of self-doubt. Uh, got here to uh, dog pool last night. Uh, it was 6.30 so it was dark. This is one of the new rammed earth construction sites and I've talked about that uh, uh, previously uh, about what they're like uh, but really nice campsite. I think had it been sunny been a nice sort of day, it'd be a really nice place to spend the day. Okay, so today I'm heading on to. Um, I was actually planning on stopping um, past uh, Mangarup camp, I think it is, uh, but there is a diversion in place. Um, from what I understand, the water is waste depth, um, so they've put a diversion in. But this was the diversion when I went in to talk to the parks people at Walpole, they knew nothing about. Um, but there is a sign there saying diversion. Uh, the notes in the book saying there is a uh, the, the people write in saying there is a diversion. Um, so I expect to see, see that as I come along the trail. What this means though is, from a double hutting point of view, instead of having about 43 kilometres, it's around about 33. So still a long day, but not as long as the last few days. So I plan on, again, if all things have been given equal, to double hut it. I do have a tent, Um, so if at some point I decide, look, enough's enough, I've had enough for the day, I can always set up, providing I've got water for the the night and the morning. Um, But it's much easier just to push through. As a result, I'm 20 kilometres ahead of where I was supposed to be. As I said, I was supposed to be at Mount Chance last night. Um, so, if I keep on, if I do do the 30 odd kilometres today, it's going to push me even further ahead. So, barring any issues or any unforeseen circumstances, I'll arrive in um, uh, Pemberton a day, possibly two days early, but definitely a day early by the look of it. I actually hadn't planned on staying anywhere until I got to Pemberton apart from the campsites but it's there's a reasonable chance I was supposed to hit North, uh, North Cliff around about Thursday lunchtime and I had planned on having lunch there but there's a reasonable chance I'll either hit it on Tuesday night or Wednesday night so I may, I'm looking at staying there having a decent dinner and uh, having a sleep in a bed uh, and that'll push me on to Pemberton the, uh, uh, more than likely the next day. Okay, talk to you later. Just as an add-on to that last uh, recording, um, with most of these huts there's issue with bush rats um, and they provide boxes to put your food in or you can hang your food from the metal railings. Um, And I'd done all that, I'd hung everything up, uh, but what I didn't actually take into account of was that I'd left a bit of uh, hot chocolate residue in my cup and a bush rat decided to make off with my cup during the night. It uh, didn't take it very far but managed to chew some really good holes in it so my little uh, X cup is now destroyed. Uh, it's just lucky that I've got a um, a jet boil stove and that there is a, a built-in cup on the bottom of that. Um, so I do have a spare cup which was lucky. Um, but yeah, you've, uh, you really do need to hang your food from these, in, in these places. Uh, don't use the wall hooks um the mice can o- and rats can actually crawl along the uh, uh the the actual um, walls on the outside and down into the bags so hang them off the actual metal uh rods that run across the center um, and make sure that they're in a uh, a sealed bag and you'll be fine okay it's the 20th of um, august so we're here at gardener's hut Uh, And it's actually quite busy tonight. There's actually six people here, which is the most I've ever seen in the the hut since I've started this trip. And I'm here talking to Wayne, uh, and I'll get him to introduce himself, and we'll just ask Wayne a few questions about how his trip's going.
1: Hi, um, I'm Wayne Thomas. I'm from New Zealand. Um, I'm doing this track for the uh, for the third time. Um, You'd wonder why, but it's uh, it's just a a nice long walk, not a hard walk, and uh, I've come back again and but this time I'm walking from uh, south to north um, and it's quite a different track but uh, still the same one
0: okay now Wayne's doing what the Americans call a flip-flop where they'll they start in one direction uh, change over and change directions through
1: the the trip so tell, tell us a bit about how your trip structured well <clears throat> I've always believed that the best part of the track is actually um, at the, at the end part of the uh of the north south trip that's the part along the south coast and uh so rather than do that first uh, and have the first part of my trip um over the best part over first, I decided to uh start at Walpole and uh walk up through the forest to uh to Ballinup, where I can get a bus back to Albany which is the actual start of the best part of the track along the coast and I think it's the best part because it's the sand hills and it's it's just pretty special part of Australia I think and um, then I'll uh, get to Walpole again and then up to Up, and then up to Kalamunda so yeah as, as you say uh, it, it's it's a bit of a flip-flop Tim but uh, it'll get me there at the end
0: I think it's one of those things most people tend to assume that there's only two ways you can do it you do section by section when you have the time or you do it in one go from north to south or south to north so there's certainly a good alternative and a good option to go and doing doing what you're doing as a as one constant hike, but just changing the directions to suit whatever the trip happens to be.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's right and uh it won't work for everybody but it works for me. The transport action um the transport alternatives work in but at the end of the day I achieve what I wanted to do.
0: Okay, and how have you found the trip so far?
1: Good. Um, very interesting. This is this is my third time on the track and it is by far the wettest. <laughs> um it has been and I probably picked the wettest part of the track to do first and maybe the hardest part but um it's been it's been a pleasure it hasn't been as bad as i thought it would be and uh so yeah no it's 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 trekking well and i'm looking forward to the rest of the trip. I think given that you want to do, the, the coastal
0: trip is the is the best part down south, you've probably picked a good way to do it, it's sort of just as I left the beach a few days ago, it's just starting to clean up and there's a lot of damage on the beaches, so I think leaving in another couple of weeks and uh, and doing it when you want to do it, you should have some good conditions.
1: Well I hope you're right, um, because you know you told me that you had a fairly rough time going along there, but I'm sure you enjoyed it all the same, that's what we accept in these treks, but um, yeah, I think it'll probably be a lot better, and the weather will get a bit warmer. Not that it's really cold. No, no. Well, again, coming from New Zealand, I think you're, you're probably. You
0: know, this is actually the, the weather's quite decent, I think. So yeah, uh, temperature-wise, at least anyway. Similar. Yeah. So what's what's been the highlight
1: of the trip for you so far? Oh goodness, um, I think probably staying at um, Dogpool Hut, which um, was burnt down two or three years ago, and on my second trip I had to bypass it because it was nothing but a bunch of ashes, and coming back couple of years later, and finding that they had rebuilt it. Um, um, and the location of of the the hut is quite magnificent, so. Yeah, I think that's pretty good, but I'm sure there'll be other highlights on the way.
0: I must agree, I Amit. I mean, from my perspective so far, Dogpool has been probably the best of the huts. I mean, Giants was pretty good, but I think Dogpool was was just a really nice location. Yeah. All right, what's been the 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 lowest point of the or the or the, the what you consider the worst part of the trip so far?
1: Well, like what like the start of any long trip um <clears throat> if you haven't been walking for a little while, the old muscles decide they want to take charge, so I had to try and get on top of that. And, um, yeah, there were a few days where I was a bit sore, but um, we're over that now, and uh, that's just a normal process of doing the trek. OK, now, as far
0: as equipment's concerned, you've been been doing quite a bit of hiking. Is there any piece of equipment you wish you had aboard on the trip that you didn't?
1: No, I don't think so, uh, Tim. I think I've, uh, I've been doing it long enough now that I should be able to get it right. Um, uh, I did lose one of my walking poles to start with, um, and so instead of using two I'm using one at the moment, but that was just a, a technical error more than anything else and I left it in Warpole. So, But other than that, no, I think I'm pretty well sorted. Alright. And is there anything that um, uh, you brought that
0: you probably would have left, thought you could have left at home this time, or?
1: No, I, I think I've done very well. Normally I do that, um, but I, I, I'm, as you get older you tend to be very conscious of weight. So um, I'm pretty happy with what I've taken and uh, I've pretty much used everything that I've got.
0: Alright, now this is your third time doing this track. Why, why do you keep on coming back and doing it?
1: Well I think it's unique. Um, in New Zealand where I live we have a lot of wonderful treks as well but they're quite different. Um, they're often shorter but they're a lot harder. This trek um, is a long trek. Um, It takes me seven weeks, 50 days, or maybe a little longer, depending on how long I stay over in the little boutique towns on the way. But it's not a hard trek, and and I'm 73, and there's a lot of treks I couldn't do at my age. So I just come back because I love it, and and meeting the people like yourself and others that we've got in the hut here tonight, um, you make a lot of acquaintances on the way. All right. That's good. Okay, any final parting words for people that are thinking about doing the track? Uh, I would say don't think about it, just come and do it. It's, it's a wonderful trek and uh, there's plenty of information about it and just be prepared to, to have a great time. All right,
0: so thanks very much. Well, we've been talking to Wayne from New Zealand here at Gardener's Hut um, and um, it's always good to hear dif- different people's perspective on how their journey's going. So
1: thanks, thanks very much for that, Wayne. Okay. Good
0: morning, it's 10 past 7 on the 21st of August uh, here at Gardner Campsite, Um, just about getting ready to go, which is an earlier start for me, a bit more organised this morning. I wanted to try and get away. Um, I'm a day ahead of my schedule at the moment uh, and that's likely to stay the same way. Um, I could actually slow right down and take an extra day and get into Pemberton as I'd planned, but I figure between da- today and tomorrow I should be able to do two 35k sort of days and, and reach Pemberton quite comfortably. Uh, I'll just see how the weather and the terrain's going, but from talking to the other campers here last night, it's a much better access or much better trail <coughs> than what we've had over the last few days. Uh, garden campsite's actually okay. It's quite a nice little campsite. It's um, on the an edge of a, almost on the top of a hill. Um, So it's got a a wing wall around it, uh, which acts as quite a good seat, uh, stopping people going down the slope. Uh, The toilet here at Gardner wins the prize for the packed lunch. Uh, It's a long way away from the uh, actual uh, uh, shelter itself. Um, So yeah, if it was pouring with rain, you really want to think twice about whether you really need to go or not. Uh, Nice sort of campsite. I think it'd be really good with the sun out. Um you're looking out at trees, you've got a stream below, uh so it's really quite an attractive little site. Rammed earth construction again, uh so you've got a supply of wood, um, a lot of campsites. Uh I find it quite interesting with campsites that a lot of them have slopes on them and some of them are just very slight slopes and others are quite steep and you really wouldn't want to camp on them. So they do need flattening out a bit in some of the in, in, in all the campsites really. Um, so six people here last night which is the most that I've had at any stage normally it's only been myself and one other if there's been anyone at all um, and for the first really up until um, uh, till um, just after Walpole I had the, the the shelters by myself so I think more and more I'm gonna see people uh, on these, sh- in these campsites uh, and um, all travelling at various paces. We had three people heading southbound. There's three of us heading northbound at various paces. Uh, and I'm likely to see another person tonight at the next shelter at Schaefer, which is just after North Northcliffe. Talk to you later. It's uh, Tuesday the 21st. It's around about 12.40. I'm just here at the Hollow Butt Cafe at Northcliffe. I just decided to have an early lunch, uh, play a bit of catch up on social media uh, and also take a break from the torrential rain which wasn't forecast. Um, It seems to have slowed down and stopped at least for the moment. Um, I'm planning on heading to Schaefer's Hut uh, and the original plan was to head around about five kilometres past just to make tomorrow's run into Pemberton just a bit easier. Um, All things being given equal, I should be in Pemberton tomorrow night, which is a day early, but I'll see how it goes. If the rain really dumps down like it has been, I may revert back to my original schedule. But I'll see how it goes. Café is really nice to have a bit of a break, and I must admit, I got a bit cool sitting here. Um, Not moving, um, with the rain coming down, it was a bit cool, so need to get moving just to warm myself back up again. Uh, So see how I go. I'm planning on stopping. I'll see what the rain's like, but I'm planning on stopping around about 4 to 4.30, wherever I happen to be. And it may be Schaefer's Hut. It may be past there. But as I said, I'm trying to get about 5 k's, A bit more just past Schaefer's Hut if I can. If the weather looks like it's going to be torrential rain, I may just stop at Schaefer's and just have a longer day tomorrow. Talk to you later. Good evening. It's 6.53 on Tuesday the 21st of uh, August. I'm actually spending tonight in a tent. Um, I actually went past Schaefer campsite uh, earlier this afternoon, uh, but had I stayed there it would have put me close on 40 kilometres into Pemberton tomorrow, so I was just trying to shorten the day. So I kept on going for probably about an hour and uh, 10 minutes, hour and 15 minutes. Um, and did about 3.7 kilometres. So it leaves me roughly 34.7, 34.8 kilometres to do tomorrow, which is still a big day, uh, but it's much better than being close on 40. Uh, Trying to find a campsite was quite difficult. There were a huge number of almost perfect campsites within a kilometre of Schaefer, but that's not the idea. I wanted to actually get away from... uh, from there, if I had have stayed that close, I may as well stayed at Schaefer and, and hit it off early in the morning. Um, so I kept on going for around about 40 minutes and then started to look at uh, potential sites. And, and the issues that I had were there were a lot of blowdowns on the track, either branches that have come off mature trees or trees that have just blown over in the strong winds that we had a couple of weeks ago. So I was very cautious and very conscious about uh, where I put my tent. Um, making sure that it wasn't any near, anywhere near any dead trees or large branches. Um, that combined with trying to find a flat here, shorter site that wasn't uh, too close to the track, and I must admit I'm just off the track, but um, there's plenty of space to get past the tent. There's a, a flat area that I've camped in uh, that's just off the track. And I've stayed. I could have actually camped on the track itself, but you know the potential is that people may have come through during the night time. Uh, unlikely, but possible. Uh, but more likely that kangaroos tend to use the track as an easy access through the uh, through the forest. And while they'll stop and look at the tent, uh, they'll then proceed to trip over the guide li- guidelines and do everything else, and uh, and end up uh, destroying the tent in the middle of the night. So I had to, had to find a site that was off the track but close uh, away from large falling limbs and trees um, and that was also out of the watercourses as well. I am actually closer to water than I normally would be and certainly from a leave no trace principles I'm probably a bit too close but again trying to find the perfect campsite that meets all the requirements and is safe was really difficult so I just did the best that I could had a good day today actually. I started off, my right heel was giving me um, uh, a bit of grief just because of the um, the blistering from the other day, but that seems to have settled itself down now. Uh, and by the end of the day, I was setting into a good pace and I probably could have kept on going for another hour or two, but that still would have put me in the middle of uh, the bush and trying to find a campsite during dark. Uh, whereas this campsite that I've got, I managed to get the tent set up in a lull in the rain uh, as well as um, in, in, in light so it made it nice and easy. Uh, Warren Campsite's the next one which is roughly around about 16 odd kilometres away so again I was never going to make that unless I felt like walking for another five hours and, uh, and reaching there at about 11 o'clock at night which I'd prefer not to do. Um, tomorrow as I said is a run into Pemberton uh, just on 35 kilometres uh, and that will put me there a day earlier than planned. Um, I had actually planned on camping on the track uh, roughly about 5 kilometres from Schaefer but again, just a combination I spent about an hour and a quarter at Northcliffe uh, having lunch and doing catch up on social media and I could have spent hours more so um, it worked out well uh, I'm pretty happy to where I am uh, and I want to get an early start tomorrow morning I want to be physically walking just on or just after 7 o'clock uh, which means that uh, I expect Potentially a ten-hour day, which will put me in Pemberton at about five o'clock. Um, happy with the tent. I did a trial run of the tent before I actually went uh, uh, on this trip. Uh, it's a Nemo Hornet uh, two-person tent, uh, and I will do a full re- full review of this uh, when I get back from this trip. But what I'd say with this, it's probably about a one and a half-person tent. There's unless you are really really close to the person you're in the tent with um, basically to the point of you need to spoon to actually fit in here i think um yeah yeah really this is this is a one person tent with a bit of space but it's um the tent itself is just under a kilo um uh, and you know it's it's, it compacts down quite nicely Uh, so i'll put some photos up um, uh if I can along with the uh, the shelters uh on the next podcast, which I'll do over the next couple of days, okay, I think that's probably me for the evening. It's fairly early, but uh given that um I've had dinner now um uh and it's you know i think it's gonna be time to go to bed, so i'll uh as i said i i think i'm in for a long night's sleep um uh and um as soon as I can. Get up and get myself organised. I'll pack and get ready to go as soon as it's light. Talk to you later. Good morning. It's um, Wednesday morning, the twenty-second of um, August. Uh, it's around about six twenty-eight. Uh, I've just been spent the night in the in my tent for the first time. I had planned on staying in my tent more regularly, but I just found that I was doing bigger kilometers per day than I'd actually thought I was. Uh, and coming through the Noralup Plains—I think it's the Noralup, Noralup Plains—but I'll confirm on that. But coming through the plains um, uh, above Walpole, Walpole into um, North Cliff area, uh, they were quite—it's quite a wet area, so it would have been very hard to actually pitch a tent on, a, on any dry sort of ground. So doing the extra kilometres, I felt comfortable doing it and um, certainly um, uh, it it got me a a bit ahead. Um, I'm not due to actually go into uh, uh, Pemberton until uh, tomorrow. So all things being given equal. I've got around about 34, 35 kilometres to do today um, because of the extra kilometers I did yesterday. Uh, And um, that'll get me there. I plan on leaving around about 7 o'clock. I've pretty much packed up inside my tent, just doing this recording before I get up, go to the bathroom and pull the tent down. One thing, uh, uh, as I said, with this tent, it is a -a one-and-a-half-person tent. Works quite well for that. Definitely wouldn't work for us, a two-person tent. Uh, But had a good night's sleep, except it did rain last night, and it wasn't so much the rain that was the issue. The rain had stopped, and then the trees had rained on me. So... I'd get the, the original, initial rain coming through and then the trees would be dropping water the rest of the night. So I got to one point where the um, uh, the fly of the tent was actually pushing onto the inner uh, and I was getting slight drips coming through. Uh, so I just had to give the tent a bit of a shake, uh, separate the fly out, and it was fine. Um quite reasonable sort of sleep although again for me it's, it's too long a sleep so you know uh, ideally I want to go to bed at about 8 eight thirty-nine, 39 uh, and that way I have a reasonable sort of sleep without having to get up too many times in the night uh, and I average around about five and a half to six hours sleep at best anyway so long nights just don't help me um the forecast for today's weather was a bit of rain, zero to sort of 0.4 of a mil, and that was early in the morning, and I'm hoping we've had that. It hasn't rained in about uh, an hour, so I'll soon find out when I get up and go to the loo and start pulling the tent down and seeing what's happening. Even though I didn't walk through any puddles yesterday, I've got wet socks, um, the bottom on my pants were slightly damp because I didn't walk in shorts yesterday, uh, I managed to collect some of the puddles. Um, I am relatively close to a road. I know I'm around about a kilometre away from a, a road that runs through and I could hear vehicles earlier on this morning, but I'm, I'm sheltered enough and out of the way. One thing I did notice last night is because of where I am between the, I'm in a, a, a low down in a valley, I'm in, a, in surrounded by big trees. I wasn't able to get a satellite signal out on my iridium to say I'd stop for the night. Um, that's gonna be an issue with any satellite device. Uh, you wanna have clear access to the sky. I think once I get up to the top of the hill, the signals will get through quite comfortably. And it's been performing quite well uh, so far. Okay, time to get sorted out and packed off and head off for a longish sort of day. And then all things being given equal. I'm in Pemberton this afternoon and a rest day tomorrow. Talk to you later. This last uh, recording covers uh, yesterday and my day today in Pemberton. I uh, left campsite as I said just after seven o'clock yesterday morning, um, and overall the day stayed pretty pretty good. It didn't really had the odd very very short shower very early on, but otherwise it was pretty clear. I walked up the hill probably five hundred metres, and probably found the best campsite that I could have possibly found in the area. Uh, So in hindsight, I would have been better to move on. Having said that, though, the next reasonable campsite that I would have been able to use was five kilometres onwards. So hindsight's really lovely. Um, uh, and I would have actually had satellite and phone signal up the hill compared to where I was. Uh, but you just don't know that. I was actually glad that I camped where I did because just after I got into my tent, the rain came down reasonably heavy. So even had I gone up the hill, I would have been putting the tent together in the rain as well as trying to get inside and get get unpacked when it was raining as well. The yesterday was actually quite a, a long day, uh, and it was only around about thirty-one point three kilometres, approximately. Um, the issue was there was a lot of dead f- of windfall on the track, so trees and uh, both with large trunks and large foliage just blowing down. So I found that I had to, in some cases, the big trunks were a bit easier to get over because you just step over them or step around them the ones where the canopy had fallen down in the middle of the track, it was almost impossible to get through. So I obviously wasn't the first person that had to go around them because there there are new tracks developing around these trees. Um, I actually had one case yesterday where I was almost crawling on my stomach to get underneath this tree. There was just no way to go around it where it was, no way to go over it, and I just had to end up going under it, or else. Taking my pack off, sliding my pack under, and then scrambling underneath. So there is a a fair bit of deadfall or dead uh, of windblown windfall on the trail at the moment. Yesterday was a fairly arduous sort of day, uh, and I think for a number of reasons. One, it was the thirty odd kilometres, but I've done longer trips than that before. But I found when I got into um, the campsite, Warren's campsite at the the top of the hill. Um, which was the last campsite before uh, coming into Pemberton, uh, that my feet were giving me a bit of grief. It's quite funny. I'm quite happy to walk through water all day, and my feet are quite happy about that. But as soon as I'm walking on dry track and my feet are damp rather than sopping wet, obviously the heat builds up, and that starts to cause me problems. And I found that I was getting a lot of the skin around my toes was, was delaminating, uh, and I was also um, uh, starting to develop blisters in a couple of areas. So I stopped in at Warren campsite, um, took a few photos, uh, had lunch, and just retaped my feet. Uh, and I also, for the first time in a long time, uh, brought out the good socks, the, the dry socks, just in case if I need to for sleeping, and changed over to those, which was a good move. Um, I actually got into um, Pemberton at around about quarter to six um, which was uh, reasonably good for the length of day I had yesterday I was fairly tired as I said and part of that I think is over the last couple of days I've started to be to eat all my snacks whereas the previous couple of weeks I was always stuff that I was leaving out or not using Um, but I definitely have lost weight I've lost body mass across my shoulders and chest Uh, Because I used to do quite a lot of weights at home, which I'm not doing here. Uh, And I've also lost weight around my waist and and the rest of me as well. I'd estimate at the moment probably around about 7 to 8 kilos, which is what I expect to lose in about a two-week trip. I've still got another three weeks to go, so that's going to be quite interesting uh, to see how I cope with that. Um, So I, I really need to... As I said, I don't exercise for me is an appetite suppressant. Big day of hiking, and I tend not to want to eat dinner at the end of the day. So I need to actually force myself into eating, otherwise, I'm just going to lose too much weight. I um the other thing with yesterday's trip, it was up the hill, down the hill, up the hill, down the hill, pretty much all the way through. And sometimes you can see, yep, okay, we're going around a water body or a rail track which was what as I was getting closer towards Pemberton and you could quite understand why you were going somewhere other times it was almost like how can we make this track as long as possible without making it a straight line so it just it just didn't seem to have a bit of rhyme or reason to it as I got closer towards Pemberton in the afternoon um, I had to start thinking about accommodation I'm, I'm pretty much winging it in most cases uh, there's very few cases where I've actually booked accommodation uh, and that's really only when I'm actually sending forward a food parcel otherwise I'm relying on sending to post offices uh, and picking up the uh, the food drop um, as uh, as I get there and that's working out quite well for me. Uh, as I said got into Pemberton and by the time I actually checked in and started heating my room it was probably around about just before six and on checking the local uh, supermarket closed at 6 o'clock. Now, that for me is really early. I know it's non-tourist season, uh, but I was thinking I, they'll be open until at least 7, if not, not 8. But, you know, wintertime, non-tourist season, uh, they closed at 6, which meant um, uh, I didn't, wasn't able just to go down and grab some food for a snack. So I came up to my room um, and um, uh, had a shower, Uh, Got rid of my clothes, and in all honesty, they really do stink, Um, particularly the socks and the shoes. I had um, a day just leaving Northcliffe where I was walking on management road that was also farm road and managed to walk through a lot of cow poo, and that's what my shoes smelled like, and that's what my socks smelled like as well. They were pretty rancid. So I had a shower, got cleaned up, got warmed up, put my uh, town clothes on, which really consists of uh, 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 a merino layer, a pair of shorts, and a pair of long johns. Uh, really good look, but it it keeps me quite comfortable and works, and I can sleep in it if need be. And headed down in towards uh, town itself. Now, I'd picked accommodation that was close to the track, but wasn't necessarily close to... Um, the town itself and in some cases you can do both uh pemberton just doesn't seem to be worked that way you sort of um, uh the accommodation i wanted to stay at was close to the track but it was a bit of distance off uh, of town and in fact um i'll talk about that in a moment so i headed into town i could have gone to um uh the pub and had a meal there uh but i got suggested by a couple of people there's a new uh, wine bar down there um, I think it's Tree Tops Bistro uh, and they do tapas and it was an amazing meal it really was it was just a matter of you order bits and pieces to make up a meal uh, and I ended up having Marin and white bait with chocolate mousse for dinner uh, as well as a couple of um, uh, alcoholic local alcoholic um, uh, ginger beers Really, really nice food. I could have quite easily eaten more and quite easily stayed there for a few more hours, but I was a bit tired. So, if you're in Pemberton, drop into the wine bar. It really is worthwhile. Uh, I put some a photo of my dinner at um, uh, on on Instagram. Uh, I was going to plan on coming back and doing c- catch up on social media, but yesterday really took it out of me, so I. Um, Just had a bit of a rest, watched TV, and then had a a good night's sleep. Having said that though, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was drenched. I was just in this cold sweat. Um, It's happened a couple of times. Um, I think there's a pattern to it, and I'll just play it by ear and see if the pattern plays out next time, Uh, but um, yeah, I just woke up saturated. Had a reasonably good sleep, but again, as per usual, my my normal wake up time is around about 4.30. I actually woke up at about 10 to 5, couldn't go back to sleep again. So got up and started doing my social media catch up, which pretty much took me half the day. Um, Realised I hadn't had much food, so I ended up having brunch just on 12 um, o'clock after I'd walked into town. And as I mentioned, the problem with town was I ended up going backwards and forwards to town for various reasons. One, to pick up a food drop, which was reasonably heavy. Uh, The other one to do washing. And the other one to uh, send back bits and pieces, mainly food that I didn't use from previous days. Uh, So all up, I pretty much did my 10,000 steps today. And I walked around about, um, I think it was about nine kilometers all up on a day that I wasn't really gonna be walking. Um, so that's the, the issue with being as far as away from town as I am, uh, as opposed to being so close in. Um, sitting here at the moment now, just finalizing this podcast, uh, and in a little while I'll get up and start getting packed and ready to go for tomorrow. Uh, this rest day, again like the last one in Walpole, was much appreciated. My feet appreciated it gave me a chance to uh, go on and get some new band-aids, which I needed, um, get some fresh fruit. Uh, that's the sort of stuff that I miss when I'm on these hikes is, is fresh pieces of fruit. Uh, and then, um, uh, as I said, come back here and do the podcast. So all up, um, um, I'm just about uh, a couple of hours out of bed, or out of, out of a sleep, and I plan on heading off around about 7, 7.30 in the morning. This next week is probably my biggest week overall for the trip. I've got around about 210 kilometers approximately to get to Collie, uh, and that's over an eight day period. So again, it's it's roughly around about um, 25 um, to 27 kilometers per day, which is quite reasonable. Tomorrow's trip is actually around about 24 kilometers. I'm likely to go past that and stay in a tent but I think um, I'm at a stage now where most of the shelters are approximately 20 kilometers apart. If they had been 15, it would have made things much easier, Uh, but being 20 apart, it's been hard to do two shelters in a day. So I'm likely to end up either tomorrow or the next day uh, camping and then trying to match up the shelters as best as possible as uh, as I head into Collie itself. I will have some bigger days along the track, but again, I'd rather even them out and have 30 to 35 kilometer days than have a a 25 kilometer day and then a 40 kilometer day the next day, sort of thing. So, um, doing well so far, I'm pretty much 40% of the time is now done, and I've done about 40% of the distance. In fact, I'm actually about one day ahead of schedule. I'll see how that pans out. As I said, I've got Uh, I've now got seven days up my sleeve uh, in case anything goes wrong. So if I need to slow down or I'm injured or have an accident at all, I've got a bit of leeway with time. Um, But certainly at those stands at the moment, um, I'm due to finish now on Thursday the 20th of September. Sorry, Thursday, I'm I'm due to finish now on Thursday the 13th of September, uh, but I'll see how I go. One thing with this coming week, I've got three days planned, potentially to do night hiking, starting at around about 5.30 in the morning uh, when the moon's gonna be full. uh, And um, uh, it gives me an opportunity to hike in in really uh, uh, clear conditions providing it's not cloudy or raining. So I'd like to do at least one day. If the conditions are, are really good, which looks like they potentially can be over the next couple of days, uh, I will do. But, you know, it's uh, it's still a few days off for that. I think I've still got about another four or five days before I do any night hiking. Okay, I don't know what sort of reception I'll have over the next week. I'm more than likely gonna get the next podcast out when I get to Collie, probably on the next friday so they're still going to be a week apart but it's really shifting to fridays at the moment uh, but i'll see how i go on that one hope everyone's going well with the hikes they're doing i'll talk to you later okay we hope you've enjoyed uh, today's episode Next week, we're going to be going through and doing two things. Firstly, we're going to be talking about how I plan my day. Sometimes it might appear a bit random about the distances and the, the locations that I go to, but there is a plan behind what I'm doing. Occasionally, I'll go off plan, uh, but when I do that, there is a, a series of thought processes I go through to, to think about why I'm doing things that I am. So I'll go through and explain that next week. As well as that, I'll also be uh, talking about how my trip from Pemberton to Collie has gone. As always, you can listen to this episode through our website, Australian Hiker, through SoundCloud, through Stitcher, and through iTunes. And if you have the chance, please go through and give us a five-star rating on iTunes to help get the message out there. That's all for me. Bye for now.